disquiet on the Western Front await. Protecting old growth forest is about the survival of our culture. Protecting old growth forest is about the survival of our culture. Protecting old growth forest is about the survival of our culture. So let's come back to the initial point. What is deforestation? Forests aren't simply collections of trees. They're complex systems with hubs and networks that overlap and connect trees and allow them to communicate. The people that are fighting on the ground, who are barricading the roads, who are digging trenches, who are refusing to let the police in, they're the ones that are winning the fight. So let's come back to the initial point. They want more and more and more, and there is no end. And the world is like there is no more control. Uh, what people need is more love and understand each other. I mean, this is not just you know right versus left. This is kind of an attack on the whole concept of truth. In the end, yes, physics doesn't care. Yeah, what your skin is, it just does what it does. And also, no matter how rich you are, you have to breathe. Were we under, Were surveillance? We under surveillance? Were we under surveillance at the time of the bombing? And writes a timber harvest plan. Who do they submit it to themselves? And that is a conflict of interest. You've used a number of incendiary words. Conflict of interest. What people need is more love. You must recognize the spirit of the tree within you. It's just learning how to take care of the land. And If you were to go invent a carbon capture machine, you couldn't invent a better machine than a tree. Listening to Disquiet on the Western Front, Voices of the Forest Resistance, Conversations to Cool a Planet on Fire. This is Chad Swimmer, coming at you from the unceded land of the northern Pomo and Coast Yuki. Thank you for tuning in. Disquiet on the Western Front, the show that will now be in the third Tuesday at 7 p.m. time slot. In response to some listener comments, I want to lay out what this show is all about. Disquiet on the Western Front is not a news show, nor is it directly science or ecology. This is a place for myself and my guests to tell our stories, stories which relate directly or indirectly to activism, to save the forests of the West, and to head off climate catastrophe. I'm not fact-checking nor putting this out as gospel truth, but as the truth of the people whose voices I feature. These are our opinions, and these are the lives that we have lived. This is not that of the staff or management of any station that airs this show. I have chosen the people I feature as I feel that theirs are stories that should be told, stories that we can all learn from. If you want to fact check, go ahead. 
but first listen with an open mind. The whole truth and nothing but the truth may not even exist as a standalone, but more as a conglomeration of the experiences of the people who have lived it. On tonight's show, we're going to hear about the history of the Albion Uprising and the story of the Enchanted Meadow on the Albion River. We're going to first hear from Bill Heil, a longtime forest defender, and then from Coyote, also a forest defender, and now the main person who takes care of the Albert Catalini Conservancy and of Raven's Call, which is the land that was won in the settlement with Louisiana Pacific at the end of the Albion Uprising. However, before we get to the main theme of tonight's show, I want to tell you about an event that is happening, or for some listeners, may already have happened. On Friday, January 20th at 2 p.m. at the Little Red Schoolhouse, halfway across Highway 20 from Willits to the coast, Cal Fire has renovated this historic landmark, a schoolhouse for children of loggers who worked for the Casper Lumber Company 100 or more years ago. The Coalition to Save Jackson and the Pomo Land Back Movement are staging an educational protest to bring attention to the fact that while the restoration of the schoolhouse is being celebrated, they continue logging operations that are bulldozing over sites sacred to Pomo people and other Native American tribes. Where is the celebration of that history? Children of loggers were educated, while children of tribes were abducted from their families and indoctrinated, punished for speaking their own language, or just plain old disappeared. The event this Friday is also to memorialize Joy Braun, a Cheyenne River Lakota indigenous rights, environmental, and climate activist who passed away recently. I'd like to read to you a little bit from ICT News, Indian Country Today. Joy Braun was a firestorm, a strong, fierce, lovable woman who fought and advocated for Indian Country throughout her life. On November 13th, the Cheyenne River Sioux citizen died at her home in Eagle Butte, South Dakota, at the age of 53. Braun's daughter, Morgan Brings Plenty, said she was a strong leader and someone she admired and looked up to. She had this thing called general joy, which was when she gets into a zone, she's unstoppable. She'll be kind of bossy and making sure things get done in a certain time frame so everything can run smoothly, Brings Plenty said. She was always full of laughter. She was always teasing people, making jokes, giving a grand old time of laughter and being fun. She was fun to hang out with. Braun worked for the Indigenous Environmental Network as the National Pipeline Organizer and was the organization's representative in the People versus Fossil Fuels Coalition, an organization of more than 1,200 groups pressuring the federal government to declare a climate emergency. She was a dedicated fighter against pipelines, including Keystone XL and Dakota Access. At the latter, Braun's teepee was the first to go up at what became the Osidisa Cohen Camp at Standing Rock. Indigenous Environmental Network's program director, Candy White, was a colleague and friend of Braun's. In a press release from the organization, White said Braun was the type of person that would give her last meal or pair of moccasins to those in need. Her advice and counsel was sought by many. She could always be counted on to speak the truth, and she pulled no punches. For this and so much more, she was respected by colleagues and adversaries alike, White said. Joy is, was, the epitome of a modern-day warrior. We will continue the work she was dedicated to in her honor, just as she would expect us to. Our sister will be greatly missed. Seeing the Keystone XL pipeline defeated was one of her proudest accomplishments, brings plenty, said of her mom, as well as being the first Native American photojournalist for the New York Times and the Washington Post. The proceeding was from an Indian Country Today news article from November 23, 2022, written by Colby Kicking Woman. 
So again, if you would like to join the Pomo Land Back Movement and the Save Jackson Coalition to commemorate the Joy Braun Day of Action and also to reclaim history, join us at the Little Red Schoolhouse, halfway between Fort Bragg and Willits on Highway 20 at 2 o'clock this Friday, January 20th, unless, of course, it's pouring rain. At the break of day Last of the baby redwoods Hit that forest floor Run through your chipper To make your way for port LP 200,000 acres without stopping Forest to a desert in a day Modern forestry is so That was a little piece of the song LP by Judy Berry. Now let's go to Bill Heil for some history. I am glad to be back on the air with Bill Heil, a longtime forest activist, member of Earth First, and importantly, a retired small mill owner and operator. Bill and his life partner, Linda Perkins, were involved in the Albion Uprising, the struggle to save Enchanted Meadow right from the beginning over 30 years ago. Bill, how are you? Uh, just fine, enjoying the rain. That My sawmill is about uh, to retire along with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So can you talk about the events that led to the Albion uprising? It, 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 I try to make it as brief as I can. It was quite a long history. Really started when Louisiana Pacific uh, ended up buying the Masonite, the land that had formerly been Masonite, and they had really increased the cut in the Albion. Masonite was very uh, kind of lackadaisical, and uh, even uh, if we threatened them, they would back off. But that changed uh, when uh, Louisiana Pacific bought the land. Uh, I was living at Table Mountain at the time, and uh, they started, they clear cut right around our land, which is right across the gulch. Uh, from Enchanted Meadow, uh, up on the hill from Enchanted Meadow. And uh, we didn't, we weren't together enough at that point to take them on. And I vowed that if anything ever happened that uh, we would get, that we got a chance to get back at Louisiana Pacific and stop them, I would join it and do everything I could. From there, it was really uh, Zia and her attempts to also stop cutting it. And that land, uh, the Enchanted Meadow, was much closer in, uh, to where she lived. And she really uh, led that effort to, um, get, to get it set up to fight. Uh, and we're talking about Zia Catalini here. Going from there uh, to uh, Earth First and how they got involved, Earth First did... Uh, had become quite well-known and well-liked in Albion and on the coast, including having a Redwood Summer, uh, right the year Judy got bombed, having that Redwood Summer event in Fort Bragg. And there were people on the coast uh, in Albion that were uh, active in uh, Earth First. And uh, so when 
Zia called them when it, when Louisiana Pacific moved in and started felling trees. Zia called uh, Judy Berry and Earth First and said, you know, will you come help us? And it was the first event since Judy had been bombed that she actually came back and was active. And we fell in love with Judy and she kind of fell in love with us. And we realized that uh, we could do work on this together. One thing led to another. Yeah. And when was the first tree set? It was pretty early on. What happened? One of the things that was happening was uh, Table Mountain Ranch uh, had kind of, we'd kind of fallen apart. And the ranch was empty at that time. And I realized it would be a great place for a, a base camp. It was right across the, the gulch. Uh, there was a good uh, Citizens Band radio uh, worked really well for, for uh, communicating. Over yeah. There. And uh, the tree set was, uh, was set up as soon as they'd gotten the base camp set up and just figured out how to get down to uh, uh, Enchanted Meadow from the uh, Albion side and was really set up just down the hill from, from there uh, on across the river. And I, I don't know the exact time, but, but it was early on. Well, how do you feel like the tree set affected the, the chronology of events? It, you know, things happened so fast during that time. Uh, there was always something affecting the events. And that was an important one for sure. And it was for uh, the, you know, actually, it, there were actually two tree sits. Now that I think about it, I might have to go back a little bit. The first tree sit was set up as soon as we got there. And it was two, two women from Elk. So it was Polly and Linda. And I was actually involved. That was over by Raven's Call. It was by Raven's Call, which was very tough. Of, of the timber harvest plan on uh, the other side of the river. And I helped do that and spent the night under the tree, actually. Was, then uh, some people got lost, supposedly, down at the river, and we didn't quite know what to do there for a bit. But we realized that the best strategy was just to keep escalating. <laughs> and, and that was kind of uh, how it went. And, and they, they, after a bit, they met with us, and that's when we realized we wanted them uh, LP out of Albion, LP off the planet, really, is, was our uh, slogan for a while there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you trace the ownership, I should say? Yeah, well, Louisiana Pacific, uh, at, at that time, like I said, had, within a few years earlier, bought the Masonite property and was... Uh, out the Albion tract was really the only place they had a lot of timber. Uh, they had most a lot of the land that Louisiana Pacific uh, got when they were formed was uh, really cut over, so yeah. they were really hitting the Albion hard. And uh, when they, I think, started to realize that they were in trouble there, they fired uh, their CEO at the time. Uh, brought in someone else and and after a bit they actually decided to meet with us and we met at the little river uh hotel actually in motel in in one of their buildings that that didn't go that good we we said you know you guys you know 
you're going to be out of here. And within two years, they had uh, pretty much decided to pull up stakes. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, and they sold it to uh, MRC, Minnesota Redwood Company. Yep. Uh, it was also the beginning of forming uh, the Redwood Forest Foundation, uh, which were people, local uh, people who uh, lived in Mendocino County who were concerned about uh, what was happening in the forests and the timber industry and banded together to try and figure out a way to be able to uh, realize that if we want to control what's going on, on land, the way this system works, you have to buy it, and it has to, you have to have ownership of it. And that yeah. was the beginning of the Redwood Forest Foundation, as well as the end of Louisiana Pacific. You wanted to talk a little bit about the lawsuits, I believe. Yes, please. As we uh, went on with uh, uh, with uh, fighting over Enchanted Meadow uh, uh, with uh, Louisiana Pacific, we were in court trying to get them to stop. We didn't have much of a case. We uh, got in front of a judge that denied us, but said, you know, but gave us a, a real clue about what we had to do to bring a lawsuit to stop it. And we ended up getting the, the uh, their, their work there stopped. They ended up suing us for uh, interfering with their business. And that, and that was a whole other uh, event that really strengthened uh, our our efforts to protect uh, forest land because that one of the things they did was uh, sued uh, 18 or 20 named defendants who had to meet uh, regularly to try and figure out their defense, plus 70 John and Jane Doe's. And uh, we made a real effort, uh, real event out of the Jane Doe's. We had held an event at, at, at the courthouse that said, we are all Jane Doe's, <laughs> John Doe's. <laughs> and had like 70 people there. And it was so sue me, <laughs> you know, and that became our argument, our, our cry, so sue me. And uh, they eventually, what happened out of all this is that Louisiana Pacific decided to sell. And they had this lawsuit on their hand that they hadn't been able to get anywhere with and decided they would settle. And kind of the deal was uh, they would uh, drop the charges and we would uh, agree not to harass them anymore. Most of the people went along with that, with our fingers crossed, we said up, up front, you know, because when they did try to uh, do another harvest, uh, on a uh, near Enchanted Meadow on J Road in Albion, they also uh, uh, we also protested and got that stuff. Uh, got that stopped eventually. So everyone settled except Zia and Beth. And Zia and Beth had uh, uh, started their own lawsuit with uh, Louisiana Pacific and. They uh, were very recalcitrant and refused to go away. And when it came down to uh, Pacific actually putting the land up for sale, they couldn't have this lawsuit hanging over them because uh, it, it devalued that land and was nobody wanted to buy a lawsuit. So they so 
it ended it up that uh, Louisiana Pacific settled with them by giving them the uh, piece of Enchanted Meadow that is now Raven's Call and, and uh, the uh, land over at Enchanted Meadow itself, uh, Albert Catalini Conservancy. Yes, that's right. And uh, that's uh, where that stands now. Mm-hmm. Well, and they're just MRC, the, the present owners, they're just cutting away. I was just looking at it in two giant strips that are, you know, they're, they're called variable retention, but it's a, they're two clear cuts on either side. It, yeah, that's just too bad. I mean, it, of course, uh, there, there, it's, you can't, you know, after a while, you kind of, you know, can't, Keep uh, it feels like you're bailing against the tide sometimes. Uh, I know that Z has tried to keep them away. I'm really glad that uh, that she has that land protected there. Uh, it's been there, uh, you know. Uh, Louis, uh, Mendocino Redwood Company is run by the fish, you know, owned by the Fisher family. And they're of a, they have, over the last five or ten years, become a really voracious bunch. And I don't know what to do about it or or how how we could stop them. Yeah. Really. Uh, yeah. Linda and I have uh, gone on to other things. As I think most people, if there was a way that we could stop them, there would be uh, no, no problem getting... Uh, people together to join us and do it, but yeah. there has to be yeah. a way. It feels like they've learned a lot from the struggles of 30 years ago, how to insulate themselves from legal liability and from any kind of liability. They're just better at it than they used to be. And there's yeah. Well, it's the whole corporate uh, mentality and those people are masters at it. Yeah. And as they, <laughs> As uh, Bob Dylan said, the masters make the rules. <laughs> I think that it's really wonderful. On, on the other side, we've also, since that time, uh, managed to secure uh, quite a bit of land uh, in Mendocino County that's really under uh, cons- conservation management now and uh, is trying to restore and rebuild uh, the land. And I think that's what, what I look at, uh, you know, as the victories as much as the defeats. And we've had been very victorious over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for all your work over the years. You're, you've been a fixture and, you know, a real force to reckon with. Well, that's mostly Linda's part. She's, she's the person they fear. <laughs> they don't care so much about me, but but if Linda gets involved, they know she knows what she's doing. Well, stay dry and stay warm, Bill, and thank you for talking with us. Thank you, and hope hope you can make something out of it. Haul it to the sawmill. Gotta make a buck. Blades are worn and dangerous. Better trust your luck. Don't stop for the workers' safety. Never fear the worst Cause if somebody kills himself Just blame it on Earth first L.P. When the 
first activist and labor organizer and, of course, target of the FBI, Judy Berry, singing about Louisiana Pacific. You are listening to Disquiet on the Western Front. I'm Chad Swimmer. We just heard from Bill Heil. Now we're going to take a walk in the rain down the Elizabeth Trail to the Enchanted Meadow with forest defender, forest gardener, and originally a member of the Choctaw tribe, the activist we know as Coyote. Okay, the trail really doesn't start until you'll see when we, when we drop down. So you were t- saying that road, Slaughterhouse Road? Oh, Slaughterhouse Road, yeah, it was a, the Native American road. And then there was a quiet title lawsuit, I believe, in 97 or 98 with Louisiana Pacific, and they won. And the judge ruled that there, there, there was no evidence that that was used by the public. Reason. But we're going to drop down into it. So we're still in the pygmies, the transitional pygmies. But it all really, really starts when we get down there. Mm-hmm. Now I spent weeks down here and I'll come out, I'll come up this trail and as soon as I hit the sunlight it's like, okay, here we go. Just because of my, oh, I, okay, here we go, now we're coming down. And this is, this is the spot like back in 92, this little area was where all the actions happened. You'll see the tree sit, the uh, tree sit trees. We're going to walk by all three of them. Here we go, now we're coming to the trail. We drop out of the stunted Mendocino Cypress woodlands and down into an open second-growth forest with coast redwoods, Douglas fir, western hemlocks, tambark oaks, one madrone, and thousands of sword ferns. All right, Magpie. All the borders. Nice trail. One for erosion, and two, the chalk out there. Whenever you disturb soil, you always put a border up to let nature know you're not going beyond it. So it's like... I did this right here, so on this side of that, that's nature. I'm not going to mess with that. But it also is for erosion. It keeps the trail from sliding. Yeah, this thing goes a 600-foot drop, 42 turns, 21 switchbacks. This is like all built by hand. I'm way over there, I carried all these over on the other side of the uh, mountain. Yeah, you, see, you see on this side how it's all grown and still wild versus that side you'll thin out. Mm-hmm. So just just in this area here, over the last five years, I probably picked about 200 tan oaks. Now I'm a bit paid. You see down there? Now when I was sitting in this tree in '92, I would sneak down, do some stuff, but I'd also sneak down and pick tan oaks. So 30 years ago, I picked over 200 tan oaks that were growing in this creek here. So you can see what happens. If it wasn't for that, there'd be 200 clogging the forest. Can you say again about these trees? Who sat in these ones? Okay, yeah, this tree, Polly Gervin, and then Daryl Cherney. And I was Daryl Cherney's relief sitter. And this is that little stand right here. So mm-hmm. that was 92. Four people sat in there. So, so yeah, now we'll come down here. You can, now you can really start to see, Chad, what happens when you, when you take care of a forest the way it should be. Which, when I first started this project, I was all green from tan oaks. You didn't see no land. Now remember, no field, no yield. That's important for an owl. If an owl can't see the ground, it can't hunt. And it has to rely on hunting in trees, which takes about 80% of its food away. So as you can see right there, Imagine all that stuff was slashed. That tree, tree like even starting this, you had to like climb over stuff, Chad. There were thousands. 
Now look, you know you can see, see that? Now, now this is why I met Faz. Yeah, come up here, my my, my uh, spotted owl buddy. Flies here every night, getting food. You know, turkeys can walk. See, the trick is, if you're on a trail, you should be able to walk in any direction off that trail and not hit any bushes. That's important because turkeys are the most susceptible animal. Second, owls are second, but turkeys are the susceptible one. Once a forest gets overgrown, no use for turkeys. They can't walk anymore. No, That's why the turkey population is dropping. He was, uh, this is a third tree sit tree. Beautiful old growth dug fir. Yeah. That thing must be 400 years old. Yeah, it is. But see, this, like I said, this was all you couldn't see. All you saw was green here and slash. Coyote has spent nearly 20 years gardening this forest, making this trail, pulling tan oaks, hauling deadfall to safe places to burn. He is the one doing the laborious work that it takes to nurse a forest back to health. Pet cemetery. Oh. My dog, Midnight, Rosie, Violet, Maggie. That's about 100 tan oaks. We're growing right here. I pulled them up. Now guess what? Instead of 100 tan oaks growing here, now I got these tan oaks here with no competition and not having nutrients and fluid taken from them. They're gonna be high yielders for acorns. Gotta take care of them. So the trick is, if you're good, by, good, by foraging acorns, you take care of a forest, which opens it up for, for owls to fly, deers to walk, and turkeys to walk. Yeah. You let it give it overgrown, they won't come. I mean, ha over half the forest in Mendocino County is no longer useful to owls or turkeys. They can't see the ground, they can't hunt, they can't fly, all because nobody wants to pull. For example, right here, okay? see this bad boy? This is one of the best spots to get acorns. And thousands of over the years, I mean, it, it's just insane how many. No, because I, I was walking down here in 2017. I'm walking like right around here and something was wrong. I couldn't put my finger on it. I looked up and didn't hear any squirrels. Let's check right now. Through this whole trail, you see piles of acorns where the, where the squirrels would be eating them. You won't see them no more. I knew right at that moment, I said, oh man, grandma was right. Grandma always said, if the population of squirrel ever drops in the redwood forest, it's going to be a bad, bad time. Mm. Because, you know, for instance, the rain's happening right now. Happening, well, not here. The trees are getting here, but go look at Big River or Jackson State Forest, for instance. This rain's going to get taken up by all the tan oaks that have sprouted. You know, it's not going to get deep. This rain might get that deep, you know, because um, while building this trail, I started noticing it was so dry in some spots. They had to, the wind would come up and the dust would blow off. That was when I was building this thing. In some of the mycorrhizae fields, you know, with mycorrhizae, it was already dried up because it's so dry. But this is one of my favorite spots. You can see this is a yielder right here. That's a big tan oak. Okay, now. And they're really right? healthy. I'm not seeing any oak death here. Uh, right, but remember, remember what I was saying when I was coming down there? Pay attention to these. Yeah. Remember the boards over there? They came from right here. Look. One, two, three, four, five, six, six. I got 40 trees here thinning. You have to thin the forest and no one's doing it. And I still got to come in and get, but I only do it during the summer because the deal is, yeah, you look at the healthiness of the tree and then you shake it during the daytime. You don't want to remove one that gives shade. Remember, you don't want sunlight to hit the soil floor, period. That's what, you know, cow fire, they know they should know that, but it's, it's a scam to create fire. You never let direct sunlight hit the redwood floor, period. Because what it does is it kills all the micronutrients. Okay, yeah, this is cool coming up here. Lost this one the other day, you know, last year, but it was, it was all you could tell it was on its way out. It wasn't really a yielder. All right. There's a seat, okay, right there, yeah, there's a the borderline. Orange. On that side, it's MRC. 
and they logged last summer. Oh yeah, matter of fact, I'll show you, yeah, they have both sides of it. That's Dead Man's Gulch and that's Slaughterhouse Gulch. I'll, I'll tell you about Dead Man's when we get, I'll show you why we call it Dead Man's See, this is my, that was a camping spot of mine 20 years ago. I just moved different spots, but that's top shelf, man, that was a great place to camp. Because they, they know for damn well what the, okay, the deal is to protect the forest and the wildlife in the forest and prevent forest fires. Okay, well, if the wildlife can't hunt, because it's overgrown and nobody wants to do nothing about it, you haven't completed your job. Two, by allowing that many trees to grow in an area that's already um, in a drought, what you have is, and this is according, this is according to Cal Fire themselves, from 2012 to 2019, um, the wildfires burnt so bad because 100 million trees died because there's less moisture in the soil, there's too much competition, and trees are getting weak, susceptible, and dying off. Okay, so given that aspect, why would no one care when the squirrels drop and the pop population of tannin is crowding, no one's pulling them? When you've already said, that's why we're having wildfires. Okay, check it out, right there, see. Okay, right there. See that, had a fire there, nine hours. So see how the flow? Yeah. This is where I met Fazby, the spotted owl, flew right above me, and ever since then, when I come and spend a night at night, Fazby, follows me. When me and my dog Midnight were checking out the forest after they were logging, Fazby flew with me. But you can see the owls just, woo! You know, they can fly now. This is one of my favorite spots of the trail. And you'll notice I really went out of my way to make it as technical as possible. I really wanted to be challenged. I, you know, I, if I'm going to trail, it's going to be a piece of artwork. You know? So like I said, some people, uh, you know, I don't write poetry. If you want to see poetry, look at the trail. <laughs> no, seriously, that's the whole point was to be, because this is a forwarding trail, but I wanted to be somewhere in the forest where it's like I'm walking on a trail and I look at it and I go, yeah. Just, you see, the thing is, I'll show you, just check this out, Jeff. We don't get no credit for it, but in the 1500s, my tribe has heard about the buffalo. Well, we're on, we're on the east side of the Mississippi. So the Chickasaw Indians in, in my tribe crossed, crossed the uh, Mississippi River. From there, we had a couple thousand warriors. We walked all the way to the plains blocked off the buffalo and on the way there with a swath about 100 miles wide just like this we cleared all the forests pulled all the plants to make it attractive for the buffalo and when the buffalo were migrating north we cut them off and drove them east to the mississippi river now that would have been probably more famous and more popular had not the europeans showed up a couple years later and then we started trading with them and we did it but the whole point was you manipulate a forest to attract the animals and then you bring them see right here you see this that tree, just right here, I pulled up 75 last year. That's tan oaks. The year before that, about the same thing. So imagine this little area in the last five years with 400 tan oaks growing in it. All that energy is being taken away from the trees for tan oaks that are never going to get big enough to yield any acorns anyway. So they're not going to support me. They're not going to support the squirrels. So what's the point of letting them grow? And that, now all these redwoods are getting trees. This yeah. is a happy forest yeah. because these trees know that you can see it now. I've seen turkeys walking, owls will fly, and it's, you see brown instead of green. And that's what, you know, right here. See, this is a perfect example. It's open now. A lot of work, but, you know, it's rewarded because this is why I can't go anywhere else. It frustrates me when I go to a, any other forest and I see it overgrown. It hurts because, you know, the trees are eventually going to die. It's going to burn. And the animals can no longer use that. They can't use it. So they can just, their turkeys now have disappeared. You don't see them now. So right here, I, this, this log right here, when I cut this with the trailer, all the pieces are used right here. As a retaining wall. Oh, gorgeous. So, you know, it gives a little bit and then it connects to this one. This is funny. I had a teapot up here in 2016. Cream, honey, Earl Grey up there. Went to my camp, 
came back. The bear took it and took off that way, and I've never seen the pot since. It was awesome Tupperware, man. It had like 80 bucks on it. It had it like this. He was running. Okay, this, this is cool. Yeah, so all this stuff I'll burn probably in about a month. I'll come out here. This is crazy, but it's awesome, man. How do you get your fires going in the winter? Well, what I do is I use the tan oak side right here. Mm -hmm. I take the chainsaw, get the nice long shit, you know, you don't cut it crosswise. You cut it this way so you get the longer uh, chips. Mm -hmm. And then you, you soak them in a, a, bee nut, a beeswax. All right? And so then there you go. It'll burn for 25 minutes. Even when it's wet, you just stick it underneath the wet wood. And after a couple of minutes, it starts burning. Yeah. So this is excellent here now. Let's see. Before I started, this was all slash. Okay? Maybe you had 20 ferns in here. By removing all the slash, the ferns go wild. So just by doing controlled burns, picking up all those logs, bring them out of there. Boom. More oxygen for the planet right there, see? That's... You know. Does this trail have a name? Elizabeth's Trail. She one of the donors. Died of cancer a couple years ago, but it's got Elizabeth's Trail. So right here, this is the spot you all wanted to come here. It's good one either way. Okay, so, yeah. Now we had it, and me, uh, Anna Marie Stenberg, Norman Duvall, we won a lawsuit in three different areas in the county called a permanent injunction. They couldn't log. Well, one of those permanent injunctions was right here. Well, in 2008, they dissolved it for some reason. I was scheduled for brain surgery on February 8th. In January, we didn't have money for a lawyer, so I decided I was going to go to court and represent myself, go improper. So I showed up. I canceled brain surgery. My tribe was pissed. My mom was pissed. The doctor's like, you could be dying. What are you doing? I said, I got I to go to court here. So I showed up in the Minnesota courthouse one day. I just walked into the self-help center and said, look, I've got to recuse a judge. The lady's all, wait, wait, what? I said, yeah, Judge Luther's here in the case. He ruled against us in the Enchanted Meadow. So I wanted to recuse him. She starts laughing at me. She says, well, go to the law library. What's the law library? The guy's laughing at me going, you're not even, wait, you want to show up and recuse a judge? You're not even a lawyer. I said, I got to do what I got to do, man. I showed up, showed up. Finally, he's like, you're serious about this. Well, let me give you some tips. So these guys, the judge, these lawyers start helping me out. This guy's corrupt, man. You want to help me? Go get him. So I, show, I had a seizure that day in a bathroom. I'm seeing black and blue. I wanted to argue my case with Luther. Got evil. He's got heated. They were trying to lock down the courthouse. People were chasing me. I got away. Okay, so that's what happened. But that day, a 13-year-old girl got my place in line for the brain surgery. She went in the brain surgery. Turns out she died in an operating table. Well, the mom was pissed. Instead of being held back, oh, my daughter, she ran into the operating room, smelled alcohol. Her husband was the sheriff. Boom. Next thing you know, my neurosurgeon, Oxycontin alcohol. His whole staff was high. They were traveling around getting high. Five years in prison. I dodged a bullet. Five oh. years in prison he spent. Oh. And the day I met him, I went to UCSF, and then I became a walk-in. From UCSF, I became a walk-in brain surgery patient to UCSF. And that's where I had the surgery. We stop for lunch, and Coyote pulls out some jars for a taste test. Okay, here's what Say I that have. again. What, that was redwood Okay, this syrup. is redwood syrup that came from the tree I sat in in 1992. Every, couple, every few years, a lot of redwood trees for a spring will, will shed their new growth. You know, they'll, they'll shed the starts. Mm -hmm. And it just happened a year ago that the tree I sat in, all the tips, the, the new growth tips in the spring, they all fell down. So I collected them, got a couple pounds and made two jars of redwood syrup from it because it, I call it tree sitter syrup because it's, it's made by a tree sitter from the tree he sat in. So I figured that was... What okay. do you use as the base? Uh, organic sugar. Nice. Okay, sugar. Yeah, yeah. And this is for from... These trees right here. That's why I'm sat here. So, so you're actually right now. Oh yeah. That tree. I'm sorry, redwood. So I like the fur syrup better. I know. Same here. It's more of a citrusy. It's more of a yeah. Redwood's more subdued. Ah. You know, fur has so good though. Has more of a of a citrusy. You ever make it from grand fur? Yeah. 
that's one of my favorite smells in the entire world. Grandfur is Grandfur is just it's, it's magic. We got one down there, and then we got one. It blows me away that loggers call it piss fur. Oh yeah, piss fur. Yeah, we had one that was down there, and they robbed it. That was just as big as that one we walked by. And when we bought the prop, we're gonna walk down there. The ACC, when we bought it, we said it has to be as is. They said okay. I was gone in 2002. Z was in Arizona. They came and they stole it. This thing was massive, and they stole it for pulp. Make paper. That's what they do with Grand Fur. They make toilet paper out of it. That's so pathetic. It is. I mean, with all the technology we have, bamboo, hemp. I mean, we really don't even need, need to be doing logging anymore. Mm. That's just the whole point. Yeah. You know? And instead, we're making well, cheap a, lumber for big houses with too much. Yeah, it's almost like why are we keeping these legacy industries afloat? They're legacy industries, you know. I mean, we've, we've reached a point where they don't need to be around anymore, not in that capacity anyway. Yeah. Not not full scale, you know. Let's, you know, you'll see. I'll we'll show you some of the, some of the stuff. But yeah, this is um, like this is my spot. You know, this is this is where, like I said, all the dogs are buried here. Are you the only one taking care of this mm-hmm. this property? I built it all myself. Yeah, built all, all three properties. Yeah, just me. Wow. Built this trail myself. Did all the birds myself. Oh, I can't say that. I had dogs with me. <laughs> They're crucial. Oh, man, man, you they offer moral support. Oh, it's not even just that. Yeah, moral support plus the eyes and ears. They let me know an animal's around before I do. Midnight, she would hear a logging truck like a mile before I would hear it. When she was like that, and she knew. And then, this is cool, right over here, when they were logging the here, they were logging over there, and they were logging right, right in this gulch right here. So me and Midnight were coming up, and 14 deer came running from over there, and they came right down this little gully and stayed. Midnight always chased them, but that day she looked at them because she knew she was stressed out. So, so they stayed for three hours until they were done logging. I walked up down the tree and there were 14 years just huddled together and they were looking at me and like, hey, you know, this is what it's for. It's wildlife sanctuary. But they were logging on both sides and they just hung out. That's a beautiful giant grandma redwood over there. Yeah. Yeah, there's, it's, it's really... It's huge. You know, like I said, to be able to see them. Like I said, you couldn't see them because it was just... So like... Uh, for example, wherever you see these things, Chad, wherever you see you need the, the, a thing. So, for instance, that part, that was a tree. 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 And there's set, got nine down here. I mean, by doing And so what will happen here is I'll come in here, use these for tea, because you get vitamin C, vitamin A, and trace elements out of them. Also make redwood butter, which is to take butter, warm it up, chop up the redwood and let it simmer for about an hour and then strain that out and then you got redwood syrup which is good on our shrimp seafoods um like i say also tea i make cookies out of them but that's part of my diet so i'll come and take that out so what i have is i always have by doing this check it out i always have a surplus because see when redwood you can only use redwood when the tips during the spring when the tips are green but with this i gotta supply redwood last meal year round so i'll just come let's say break that off and take her home new growth so i have all these you know i always have food so if you're in, in danger or you're in for you know that'll keep you alive yeah. i mean you're gonna get vitamin c out of it not fur is the best fur and red, rose hips red was not the best but as we continued down the switchbacks coyote got into his family history you know like i said my mom she was born in albion but she was raised in the timber industry so like as a little girl like, she's up there you saw in the logging camps four years old doing dishes and doing laundry for the timber companies she would go on to be a, a champion axe thrower jack and jill here at paul bunny days and uh yeah she was she was cool what was your mom's name sharon fleming but my grandma showed up here in the 40s and she was uh 
back in those days, they took all the girls off the, you know, off the Choctaw, off the Indian reservations. Well, my grandma, she bailed. She snuck out one day and left school. She wouldn't do it no more. But she came here in the 40s, and it took her, she was a freshman at 24 years old, because they wouldn't let a non-white into the high school in Mendocino for five years at petition to get into that school. So she was the first non-white person to go to, uh, go to Mendocino High. In the 40s? Yep, 24 okay. years, yeah. No they kidding. Were, you know, she oh. would, dude, you understand, Chad, and when they came here, and my grandpa too, they wouldn't let him go into bars here. He went into the dicks, check this out. He went, my grandpa was on my other side. He was so pissed, he was an alcoholic. And they wouldn't let him go in. So one day, he kept beating him up. One day, he walks into the dicks, shoots the place up, puts the gun down, and says, look, man, I need a drink. And after that, they said, okay, okay. So they started giving him. But back in the 40s, it was like Native Americans were all maids here. They were. They were mates. That, that's the plain truth. Matter of fact, Fort Bragg is the only city fort built to protect the Indians. That's how bad it was. I mean, you know, you got, uh, you know, Jeff Stanford once told me that, you know, Stanford in, anthropologist, he told me there's a, a mass grave of over 200 pomos up Big River. That's what they did with them, you know, and that's just, but yeah, my grandma, she was here, but she was a Choctaw on a fighter because we're a fighter tribe. Man, she wouldn't talk, they called her the war horse. She would, man, she wouldn't tolerate anything. She was, she, I, I'm going to show you some stuff that will blow you away. Not only that, but this summer, they used magnesium chloride to keep the dust down. Yeah. You know what they did when they, instead of mixing a new batch, they dumped it. They dumped it in the creek. What? That's right. I got photos of it, man. And you know what? Water quality won't call me back. It's been a year, Chad. They dumped, that's illegal. Look at this, Chad. Look, look. They say it's nice. act of nature. Well, it's because of the road and it's going to our property. See the silt right there? That's going into the creek, man. That's illegal and water quality won't come back. I got, look, dude, this is the problem. All yeah. the agencies are captured. Yep. Chad, even 10 years ago, I would have won a lawsuit just off of this. We've, we've won lawsuits off of this. Look at this. They're going to say, oh, it's, they call it soil shedding. They don't call it, they call it, that's what they call it now. If you call it a landslide, you got to notify EPA, fishing game, water quality. But if you call it soil shedding, you don't have to tell nobody. Salmon used to come up Dead Man's Creek, but it's getting so silted, they're not going to come anymore. All right, we'll go down. But yeah, you know, you can just see it. This is, you know, there's many of these up that road. Slides, you know, and it's like, oh, we mitigated it. No significant amounts getting in there. I mean, I got pictures of puddles of magnesium chloride straying into the river. That is so illegal, it's not even funny. I mean, in 30 years of doing environmental lawsuits, I never had a slam dunk like I had this last year. Honestly, I had the photos, the silk. I honestly thought, and here's what happened. Judge Nadal delayed it. Yeah, so check this out, Nadal. Okay, now here's the problem, Jed. A lot of times we have, we go to court, a lot of lawyers out of the area won't represent us because Judge King, who used to be a judge, is now MRC's lawyer. He's friends with all the judges. He was in charge of them when he was a judge. And we got him voted out. He hates environmentalists because we got him voted out. So every time we go to court, he's MRC's lawyer. And there's judges go, oh, Mendocino County? No, isn't that the place where you got like the, that former judge is now with the timber company? No, we're not getting involved in that. And they, so a lot of lawyers are intimidated to, to represent it. And look but, at this old slide right here. Oh, yeah. Right down into no, the, the river. No, it, it, Chad, over the years, check, 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 right here. No, Chad, check it out. 2001. This came to right here, right? You had to walk around it. I went, this is where I first heard that term. I went to Cal Fire in 2001 and said, look, 
you got landslides. You guys are like, no, that's not a landslide. It's soil shedding. I said, you got to do this because if a wildfire happens, you won't be able to get to it. They're like, 2001? Hey, this river force. There's never be wildfires. California. I said, yeah, it will. We'll check it out. In 2008, when we had those wildfires, I was talking to some people. Firefighters like, yeah, you know, up up Lassen County, we had a chance to put the fire out, but we, we almost, it just started. We couldn't get to it because they had landslides. See, Cal Fire knows. They've been told to maintain the roads, and they don't maintain the roads, so firefighters can't use them. But anyway, back to the point. So so this Nadal lady who heard our case for Lieutenant Meadows last, last year, she kept delaying it. And then she delayed it again. She delayed the case six times. And when she was done, they were done logging. Uh, See that? See, instead of the merit, you just delay it. Yeah. But the point is, that's how bad it is at the courthouse. It's so connected that all the judges, you know. I mean, for instance, Judge Luther, who heard the original uh, Channel Meadow in 1992, he actually wrote a finding before we went to court that friends of Enchanted Meadow was guilty. He got removed from the bench before we even went to court. So we own this road right here. And they hate that. But they get to use it because of the easement. Okay, that's the, that's the property. That's the Albert Catalina Conservancy. And that's where Dead Man's Creek. Now check this out, Chad. They call that Dead Man's Creek because back in the late 1800s, when, when loggers died in the woods, wood accident, and they didn't have any family or friends, nobody wanted to take the responsibility to bury them. So they just took them right here. So there's there's over six loggers here from 1890 to like 1920 that died in the woods. Maybe they're from Scotland or Ireland. They didn't have, nobody wanted to take time to respond. So he's buried in here. That's why it's called Dead Man's Creek. I think, yeah. Oh, here's another one. You know the dead, dark, dark gulch? And yeah. Actually, the, the paper put this, dark gulch. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know, the south side of Mendocino where the, where the state parks is on the main street? Yeah. That was Chinatown. Yeah. Well, in 1872, they decided they didn't want them no more. So everybody showed up, shot them up, burnt the village down and destroyed it because they'd already finished building the, the, a railroad track. Well, like 70-something 1870. Chinese... 1870. Yeah, 1872, 1870. They fled. Okay, so all the Chinese fled. They were heading back to San Francisco. Well, they caught them in Dark Gulch and they massacred them. This is known because one of the ores, you know, Ore Springs, one of the ores in the 1930s, right before he died, went up to a meeting there in Ukiah and he got up and said, look, I just, I'm about ready to die. I just want to tell you what happened when I was a kid and get it off my chest. I was a little kid and my dad and parents, grandpas came and got me and the other little kids and they took us to Dark Gulch and they had to shoot all the Chinese people to prove ourselves. And I just want to tell this story because that's what happened. Oh. And he went home. But that, and I wrote it and they, they, the Beacon actually published it. So that's the only time that story's been told. But you're right. Mendocino County has a great way of just covering all that stuff up. We're good. Beautiful. We're cool. on the coast. Like I said, some of the worst atrocities, period, happened in this county on the coast. Yeah. You know, just, just my grandma, the story she used to tell me about, you know, we don't want you here, you know, we don't want you in high school, but she never gave up. She was a fighter. So see, there's a, we got a little red-legged frog, but that's, so we're going to cross here. This is kind of middle right here. Come on, we're going to cross over. Magpie, come on. We're going this way. We finally come out at the bottom at Enchanted Meadow, an open pasture of sedges and rushes and grasses between the Redwood Forest and the Albion River which now is running brown. You won't clear this off because of... Motorcyclists. They do donuts on the meadow and stuff. It's like... No respect. How far up the Albion from the river mouth is this? We're about two and a half miles. Okay, in Native American terms, you, you, you go to an animal like name rat. Okay. Oh, sure. You can be called. Oh, my name is Bear. Okay. Well, what have you done for the bears? You take their name. Now, what have you given back to them? So it's got to be something special. And for them, this is what I did. 
So about nine years ago, I came with a shovel and made this. It's a bear wallow. Now check this out. Look, not only that, but the day I made it, Okay, you can't see anymore. I can see that. Right there, and then right up here. Another one, see, he came up right here. Yeah. Another bear came and did that one. Another bear came up and did this one. So they come here and they wallow now. So this was all overgrown with tan oaks and everything. So I opened up this whole area. So yeah, that's what I did now. now and I opened this whole trail up. Chad, now the animals, mountain lions, I always use it. We were just about out of time, but I wanted to include one last little thing about all the food that Coyote gets out of the forest here. Wait, wait, okay. How many pounds of road sips? Uh, anywhere from like 150 to 200 pounds a year. Acorns, 20 to 50 pounds a year. And with that, we make the salve. I make, uh, made acorn cider. Acorn ale a couple years ago. <laughs> and doggy biscuits, we just eat them. What do you do with the road sips? Spaghetti sauce, hot sauce, pizza sauce, jam, and uh, of course syrup. Of course, you know you, you know you dry. I mean, eat chocolate covered rose hips otherwise. So there is much more to this interview that I'm not able to include. And so I encourage you to listen to the entire thing at my website, disquietmedia.blue. Look in the archive shows under Disquiet on the Western Front and you'll see interview with Coyote. Also, I encourage you to go to the Friends of the Enchanted Meadow website. That is friendsofenchantedmeadow.org. Beautiful pictures and more information about what they're doing. I would like to give a big thanks to Coyote for taking me on this walk, to Bill Heil for participating in this show, to all of the defenders of Enchanted Meadow over the years, and especially to Zia Catalini. And thank you all for spending this hour with me, Chad Swimmer, here on Disquiet on the Western Front. Hope you've enjoyed it, and next month we're going to continue with more Enchanted Meadow and the struggle to save the endangered redwood forests of the Mendocino Coast. As always, the views and opinions expressed here are not those of the staff or management of any station that airs this show. Let's go out with a song by Bill Bottrell. The Chocolate Albion, referring to the color of the river after the rains wash so much silt down from the brutal clear cuts. This is a little folk song, Diddy. It's about what I learned when I came to this part of the world. And it won't be news to anybody here living in Ukiah or Mendocino County. But it is a nice bit of propaganda for the rest of the world. And uh, actually, people up here tell me that uh, I got my facts all wrong. <laughs> but uh, it's still a good song for the rest of the world. So I'll play it for you. What I did is I mixed up counties here. I, I blended them into one and I made a metaphor out of it called the Chocolate Albion. They, said, they also said it was too nice to the loggers. So it goes like this. Most Decembers, when the blow rains from the east, we pull our hats on low. We watch the endless rain beat the windows on the streets. We got nowhere else to go. 
When the wind comes to dawn We almost fear to put our boots on And are you with me, Brother John? How shall we respond to the chocolate Albion? Every summer the trucks roll down the ridge Full of timber and dread Truckers keeping up payments on the rigs. God knows the kids ain't overfed. But Judy Berry's car was bombed. And the FBI just fumbles on. And are you with me, Brother John? How shall we respond to the chocolate Albion? governments and commissions they say you can never underestimate the wisdom of the state dude politicians with ambitions gone fishing and the senators are fond standing on the white house lawn while the salmon are getting gone how shall we respond to the chocolate albion In some Wall Street bunko tees Now they have to figure out How to pay the interest on the trick Well, you guessed it, that honor goes to the trees And so the lockers get up at dawn Gotta keep their own families strong But Charles Hurwitz turned and run How shall we respond to the chocolate Albion? stars and the press make a junket to Brazil pose with concern on their faces they got mahogany guitars and records to sell they're seen in all the right places but they really don't belong down there in the Amazon that's just a multinational con we got rainforest right here in the chocolate albion well, this has been a production of mendocino county public broadcasting kzyx philo 90.7 fm kzyz willits and ukiah 91.5 fm and fort bragg at 88.1 fm you can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner thank you for listening